You're tuned in to the Safety Rocks podcast presented by Avatar. We know that safety within the transportation industry is of paramount importance to you, us, and the public in general. Here, you're going to learn more about safety culture, show you ways to modify employees' behavior, and together, we will inspire all to take responsibility for safety. With Avatar Management Services, you know that you're in the safest hands, and it's time to get going. Embrace safety and achieve more with Avatar. Let's get started. Good morning, everyone. This is Caleb Welch, and I want to thank you for joining us here on Safety Rocks. If this is your first time joining us, I want to thank you for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. Now, on our first season, uh, which is where we're currently at, we've been spending a lot of time talking about who we are as a company at Avatar here and about our team and discussing some safety training and how you guys can be more effective with your training. And so I want to just give you guys a little bit of an agenda here. We already have season two topics and guests starting to line up. So stay tuned and, and keep an eye out for season two that will be coming out shortly. Um, and if you like what you hear today, don't forget to like, follow, or subscribe to our show. We would greatly appreciate it. Today, we do have another guest from our team that's going to be joining us shortly. We're going to discuss some things today. Um, in this episode, we're going to talk about things like instructional design. I know some of you out there might not understand what that is or how it applies to safety and training, so you won't want to miss what John Cooter has to say when he delivers those details. Now, as I did last week, I'm going to let John give you his background story of his role here at Avatar, and he'll talk a little bit more about how you can use some of the principles to change the way that you're currently doing training how you're improving engagement and understanding of the materials with your employees. We're also going to discuss on, and focus on topics like coaching the adult learner and what it means to be a triple LC instructor. Now that we have our agenda set for the day, without further delay, let us welcome our guest to the show. Please welcome this week's guest to Safety Rocks, presented by Avatar. With us today, we have John Cooter. He is a senior instructional designer here at Avatar Management Services. And I just want to thank you, John, for joining us today. How are you? Good, Caleb. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, John, I know we got a lot to cover today. So um, before we get into that, I wanted you to kind of take some time for our listeners. Maybe give us just a little bit of background on what it is you do here at Avatar, and kind of how you got into that role. Absolutely, man. Also, yeah, like you said, I'm the senior instructional designer at, at Avatar. Uh, not a lot of people know exactly what that what that means or what that entails, so I figured we could maybe with a little bit of background about what, what instructional design is. The short version is instructional designers take educational and training materials for, for companies or organizations. That's what I do at Avatar, but kind of the, the nitty-gritty of it is uh, the textbook definition would be that it's the creation of learning materials with the end goal being that the target audience earns and applies necessary knowledge and skills. You know, at Avatar, we always say training is outcome-based, and that's basically what that means. As an instructional designer, I create learning materials that ensure our clients' desired outcomes. Kind of on the front end, I work with our clients to discover what they want their target audience to learn. I help decide what the correct platform is, whether it's directed, classroom-based learning, is involved and what collateral goes along with it, like this is guides, posters, activities. Uh, finally, I make the stuff. I write video scripts, help design and create the collateral, that good stuff. Gotcha. So I'm so glad I did this because I, I did it last week too. Um, I'm glad I let you explain that because I, I never do it justice. And although I know the things that you and Hagai do, because that's what I, that's who I did it with last week. 
Um, I, I'm glad that you guys explain it. I would have botched it. Um, but from a, from another standpoint here, when we talk about what it is you now do, maybe give them a little more detail. How did you get in to this role or in into instructional design to begin with? Is it something you studied? Is it something that came out of um, just a, a realm of other things that tied into what you went to school for? Maybe a little bit of background on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I learned everything kind of just through osmosis with, with Mark, who had obviously decades of experience in um, learning psychology and learning theories. And I learned from Higai as well, who has a, he has a master's in industrial uh, organizational psychology. So I was learning from them and then uh, slowly but surely. And then by the time I was a designer, I was already, I was already doing it. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, how that all worked out. And I mean, I think it fits you well too. I'm the first to admit that I, I can strike up a conversation with just about anybody, but when it comes to writing and probably more accurately writing properly, I wouldn't say that that's my strength, but I, I am, I am this, I'm glad that you're in that role because you have a skill set that helps me. And several times I think I've come to you and said, Hey, John, can you proofread this and ensure that what we're sending out is quality content. And, and I appreciate you being able to do those things. Um, I don't think it's, it's just about writing though. Um, so let's talk about for a moment, how, the other hats that you wear within the industry. When we're creating content, you're a part of all of that and the training materials for companies. Um, you also probably have to understand in full that adults learn differently than kids. And I, and I think we covered a little bit of this with, with a guy, because as you mentioned, it's, it's part of that IO psychology stuff, but maybe give them your viewpoint from what you've learned and how you write and, com and complete these materials. How do adults learn differently? Um, and how do you incorporate that into training? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, writing is a part of instructional design, but it's, it's not all of it. And it's not even the biggest part. Uh, like you were saying, the, the biggest part of instructional design is adult learning theory. So when most people think about learning experiences or education, you know, we think back to being in school, we think back to being, you know, uh, whether it's kindergarten or third grade or whatever, that's what our, that's where our brains go to. Adults learn a lot differently than kids. So kids are kind of like sponges, right? They'll give most subjects the same amount of attention without really wondering why they should or, or how it's going to affect them. Um, that's not to say, obviously, teaching kids easy it's 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 really difficult for its own reasons um, but it just doesn't work that way for adults so as adults we don't want to learn something unless we know how it benefits uh, our brains are so full of information already that we just don't want to put forth the effort to learn something new until we know why we should um so always ask ourselves this question before we learn something it's it's in our brains all the time what's in it for me Instructional design, we call that WIFM. And it's really the foundation of instructional design that, that before somebody learns something, they're going to want to know why it benefits them and why they should learn it. If I'm writing a script on, say, following distance, the first thing I'll explain is that maintaining a safe following distance is an easy way to prevent accidents. It protects you from getting hurt, makes your job less stressful. So convincing people that they need to pay attention, that it's worth their time, um, Persuading them to to engage with the learning material is the first step in instructional design. It's really the the foundation of it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, 
just, I mean, I know that we talk about it because we're in it every day. We, we have conversations around it, but it, it makes sense when you explain it like that out loud and, and you, you really listen to the explanation again of what it's meant to be. Um, and I know we talked about this on our last episode a little bit, but I believe it to be important and uh, a way to be more effective for uh, programs that other companies are trying to put out there. And that poses kind of my next question with all these different companies out there trying to train effectively and, and trying to find out what works. Can you share with us some of the learning theories? I, that's the first thing you mentioned kind of answering that question was that there's a ton of theories out there. Can you share with us the learning theories out there and explain kind of what that means? You're exactly right. Big part of instructional design is adult learning theory. Writing is a part of it, but it's, it's definitely not the biggest part. When we think about learning, a lot of, uh, a lot of us, our, our heads go to when we were back in school, when we were kids in elementary school in the classroom. Um, but adults learn way differently than kids do. So kids are kind of like sponges. They'll give most subjects the same amount of attention without really wondering why. Of course, that's not to say teaching kids doesn't come with its own set of challenges, but it, it just doesn't really work that way for adults. As adults, we don't want to learn something unless we know really like how it benefits us. Brains are just, they're, by the time we're adults, our brains are so full of information that we really don't want to put forth the effort to learn something until we know why we should. Uh, that's because it's, it's really hard to learn new things. And whether we know it or not, before we learn something new, we're always asking ourselves this one important question. What's in it for me? In instructional design, we call it with them. We're always asking ourselves, what's in it for me to learn this? So as an instructional designer, if I don't answer that question up front, I'll never have anyone's full attention. So let's say I'm writing a script on following distance. One of the first things I'll explain is that maintaining, say, following distance is an easy way to prevent accidents. It prevents, it prevents you from getting hurt, it protects other people, and it makes your job less stressful. Uh, really, so persuading learner up front is, is really the foundation of instructional design. That's interesting, um, because when we talked with Mark Gardner in an earlier episode, he touched on this idea that people have skills versus abilities, and I was kind of hoping that you could explain that a little more in detail. And I, and what I mean by that is I know you've explained skills and abilities and how to learn them in that regard. But when it comes to these learning theories, I believe that, you know, Mark Gardner has referred to it as, and you and I have learned it as the, what's called the can do will do model. But I don't know that everyone out there is aware of what that means. Can, can you break that down? Because I think it's important when we talked about these skills and abilities, what the can do will do model is. When companies want to train or educate their workforce on something, usually their heart's in the right place, but they're they're missing some some key background information. So first, there's there's a big difference in instructional design and adult learning between knowledge and skills. We learn both very differently, and companies usually get it backwards, and that's why they need somebody like Avatar to help them. We have a lot of Clients, they'll come to us and they'll say, oh, I want a brochure, you know, to, to teach them how to properly do a pre-trip inspection. But a brochure is not really going to cut it because uh, doing a proper pre-trip inspection is a skill. Back to that idea that there's a difference between knowledge and skills. So knowledge is defined as concepts and principles that we learn, memorize, and we store away in our brain for later reference. Skills, on the other hand, are really just how to do things. So they have a physical component. Skills are like how to throw a football, how to swing a golf club, how to bake a cake, how to drive defensively. 
And all of these start with how to. That's because, like I said, they have a physical component. And we learn knowledge and skills very differently. Up front, as a structural designer, when I want to teach or work for something, I need to make a distinction between the knowledge that they're going to learn and the skills that they're going to learn. Because like I said, we learn these very differently. First, on, on knowledge, there are a lot of theories or principles on how we learn knowledge. Uh, I'll stick to two right now just for the sake of time. The discovery and chunking principles. The discovery principle says that we learn things quicker and we remember it longer when we learn it on our own, or at least when we learn part of it on our own. This is why in school, homework is so important. If people find the answers for themselves, they'll be much more successful learners. Now, the chunking principle says that it's easier to learn things when we put them into categories. You know, you like chunk them into smaller groups. So for example, when you write, when you write down a phone number, uh, you break it into three groups of numbers. So it's easier to process when you read it. If you're making an ingredients list for a cake, you usually put the ingredients into two categories, dry and wet. Or if you're teaching your driver how to do a pre-trip inspection, you break the whole process down into several steps so that they can memorize it in order. That's some principles on how we learn knowledge. Uh, now, like I said, we learn skills very differently, and it's important to understand that when you're creating a curriculum. So we learn skills by doing. Remember, skills have a physical component, and you only learn them by practicing them. If you want to get better at throwing a football, the only way to do it is to practice throwing it. And in instructional design, there are four steps you need to follow to teach people new skills. They're verbal persuasion, modeling, practice, and feedback. And they go in that order. So first, verbal persuasion, uh, that's going back to that idea of with them. You need to persuade somebody that they ought to learn this new skill. And then next, we have modeling, and that's showing them how to do it. So when you were learning how to tie your shoes when you were a kid, whoever was teaching you, your mom, your dad, your teacher, your babysitter, whoever it was, they showed you how to do it. They tied their shoes or they showed you how they tied their shoes. Then next step is practice. After somebody models a new skill for us, we practice it. We try it on our own. And then the last step is feedback. When you're teaching somebody a new skill, you model it, they practice it. And then you give them feedback. You tell them how they did, what they need to do better and what they did well. Well, I like where this conversation is taking us. Um, I really admire this model though, because um, I've seen it work firsthand. And I think it's important to explain this. Um, can sometimes be a, the difference between a company thinking that they have an employee not grasping a concept or something being their fault because the company is not understanding that the model and what they're trying to apply isn't being done correctly to help that employee thrive. Um, and then they're not able to produce the quality that the company's looking for. And so I, I think with that model in mind, can you talk a little bit about how we created Triple LC from an instructional designer standpoint? I know how we created it um, in general because of what it does, but on the instructional designer's viewpoint, I'd like to hear how we created Triple LC. Yeah, again, the Candy Will Do model is also a big part of instructional design. Uh, the Candy Will Do model is uh, basically six characteristics that um, everybody has and they affect different parts of what we're, what we're able to do and what we will do. And uh, knowledge and skills are actually part of it. If you think back to maybe when you were in school, for example, and there was a, maybe there was a student that, you know, they were, they were really smart. They, they knew all of the material really well, uh, but they, they really just didn't care about school and they got bad grades. Uh, that's because there's a difference between what people can do and, and, and what they will do, what they're, what they're going to do. The, the six characteristics are, knowledge, 
skills, abilities, values, motivations, and personality. On the can-do side, we have knowledge, skills, and abilities. These are the three characteristics that determine what each individual is able to do. Like we said, knowledge is uh, concepts and principles and facts, and, and they go into our brain, and we're able to to take them out and, and say them or, or reference them. Uh, you know, knowledge is, is you learn it, you learn knowledge in history class, right? You learn all kinds of knowledge about American history or world history. Skills, like we said, are how to do things. They're physical component and uh, they're anything from how to maintain a safe following distance to how to paint a beautiful picture. So abilities are the innate physical and mental characteristics we're born with. Uh, these usually don't change very much. So it's like height, eyesight, how fast we can run, how high we can jump. Some of these we we might be able to train and, and get a little bit better at. But like, for example, I mean, I'm a, I'm 5'10". Uh, I can only run so fast. I can only jump so high. So I'm never going to be an NBA basketball player, right? Uh, those guys are, are, are born being able to run faster, or jump higher than, than I'll ever be able. On the other side, we have the will-do side of the model. And again, that's values, motivations, and personality. First, we have values. Values are the beliefs upon which we, we make all decisions. So, you know, some people value safety. Some people value comfort. Some people value excitement. Some people value creativity and freedom. But, uh, and some people value practicality and structure. Similar to abilities, you know, values doesn't really, really change much. We develop these uh, early on in life through when we're a teenager and even maybe when we're a young adult. But by the time somebody enters the workforce, you know, their values are set. And as a, as somebody's employer, you're not really going to be able to be able to change those. Next, we have motivations. So motivations are the activities and rewards to which somebody's attracted. So motivations are why you do the things you do and make the choices you make. Imagine if you're looking for a job. Most people look at things like what they'll be doing at the job, how much they'll make, where they'll be working, the company culture. How much those sway your decision depends on what motivates you. Just like values, motivations are, are usually determined earlier on in life and they don't change too much barring some kind of, of huge life event. Um, and finally, we have personality. This is the last on the will do side. So personality is the measure of how a person responds to people in situational demands. So some people are hot-headed, others are mild-mannered, some people are outgoing, some people are shy. And again, this, this develops early on in life, and as an instructional designer or as somebody's employer, you're never going to be able to change somebody's personality. These um, six characteristics, they really affect a lot of instructional design, and really what Avatar does in general, but you know, we'll just stick with instructional design for right now. Like I said, my job as an instructional designer is to change behavior. Using this model, there are only so many things I can change, right? We can change knowledge and skills. As an employer, you're not going to make somebody train to get faster or, or to be able to jump higher for their abilities. You can't affect how well they can see. Similarly, on the will-do side, you can't affect their values, motivations, or personality. Those are set. Basically, you have to hire for those things. So as a instructional designer, I can only influence knowledge and skills. And I do that through education and training, uh, respectively. I design educational materials for people to learn knowledge they need to remember for the job. I design training regiments and training programs for people to learn skills. Remember, we learn skills by doing, and you can only learn a skill through practice. So if a client wants their drivers to learn maneuverability, we design closed course exercises for them to practice.
So that that's another big role there at the at the company, right? You are a triple LC defensive driving instructor for us, which means that you must have to put a lot of what we've already talked about into practice for these workshops and to certify drivers. I know that you've done that for me, but can you spend a few minutes explaining what that means and how you apply all of this to your job as an instructor of triple LC? Absolutely. The can-do-will-do model actually impacts every step of the LLC certification process, especially for instructors. The instructor process is really just one big test. We're testing to make sure that they have the necessary can-do-will-do trait. First, you need the will-do traits. Like I said, you got to hire for these, right? Or in our case, you have to kind of select for these and weed out the people that don't have the necessary will-do traits. It's the necessary values, motivations, and personality. To be an instructor, you have to be patient. You have to value safety. You have to enjoy coaching people. And without those characteristics, you, you really just won't be a good fit. We use a structured interview process to vet candidates for those characteristics. We ask a set of open-ended questions like, what's the riskiest thing you've ever done? Or tell us about a time you taught someone something. What did you do and why? Then we actually grade their responses to see if they have the desired will-do traits. And if they don't score high enough, then we just know that they won't be a, a good instructor. Then we're able to test for knowledge and skills. So to even get to the workshop in the first place for LLC instructor certification, you have to take self-directed lessons on adult learning theories. Uh, they teach you a lot of the theories that we talked about here, like discovery and chunking and with them. And you need to pass a test at the end to show that you've learned this, these knowledge, this, the concepts and principles. And then the classroom workshop teaches you essential information on coaching and instructing drivers on the LLC defensive driving principles. And we test you on those with the BGW evaluation. You have to demonstrate you have the knowledge, skills, and abilities to not only be a safe driver, but to be an effective instructor as well. And we do this through taking turns, doing commentary driving, and instructing each other. They're graded the whole time to make sure that, that they have the necessary can-do traits. I think that's fantastic. You were a part of this because I've attended those workshops. I've been certified in the classes that I was in. Uh, I truly believe it was a way that was led and taught the right way. And I think you were actually even my instructor during that time period. And it was great to see how you applied some of these things with me in like real time while we were going through the workshop. And it was, it, you're right. You have to apply all those things. And it was helpful that you were positive, but you were also easier for me to correct things that I did wrong because of the way that you approach them. And I think that's the key to all of what we've been talking about today is the approach has to be different. I'm going to respond differently. I'm going to accept that I made mistakes differently if it's done correctly. And I think that's, that's kind of where we're heading, you know, when we talk about how to do these things. So uh, before I go, uh, we're running a little low on time here. I ask every person this question that's on the show um, before they head out. What are some things for you that you've been doing that um, fun ideas or things that are just helping you stay positive? It could be professional or personal, doesn't matter to me, um, but just things that you're doing to keep yourself busy during you know all this stuff that's been happening lately. My personal life, yeah, I've been uh, doing a lot of yoga, which has been helpful. I do it every day cooking a lot, baking bread for the first time in my life, which I, I didn't really ever think I'd be doing. But I think the biggest thing is I've been watching tons of movies. I'm a I'm kind of a movie buff. So I've been able to watch some movies that I otherwise wouldn't have had time to. Yeah. And I mean, I think everybody is is in that boat where they're doing things that they wouldn't normally do. And they're finding a way to enjoy the one thing that's always been their big hobby. And they're they're finding ways to keep that as the focal point during all of this. So I love it. I mean, we're all just trying to do our part and stay home and, and 
mm-hmm. we're trying to stay happy and positive when when things get back to a normal state so that we haven't lost our minds when we come out of this thing hey <laughs> uh john man i i appreciate the insight that you brought to the table today hopefully someone out there has learned something new today that they can apply in their own role or company that uh, is going to improve their growth and the safety of their employees Maybe they learned something today that they can apply to their personal life and and relationships because I think a lot of what you had to say goes further than the than the just the training and the safety. I think understanding that us as adults have a whiffum and it's it, it can be applied personally, and understanding that we learn differently and respond differently when it's approached the right way is beneficial to I think relationships, marriages, um, friendships, different things of that nature. So hopefully somebody learned something out there today, but. I just want to thank you for joining the show uh, and bringing that insight to the table today, man. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you, Kale. This was a blast. I appreciate the opportunity to talk on some of this stuff. Take care. For even more help, head over to avatarms.com and get in touch. I don't know your situation, but if you're in the transportation industry, I can guess that this pandemic is having a pretty big impact on your business. If we want to get through this thing, we all have to do what we can to help each other. Because of government recommendations like social distancing, it's hard to hold those safety meetings or conduct employee education. That's why Avatar is offering you free 60-day access to our learning management system and optionally free access to our library of defensive driver training. With our LMS, your safety training and education will become mobile-friendly. Your employees can access it from anywhere in the world on any smart device or laptop. You can upload your company's training content and make it accessible to anyone in your organization with just a few clicks. And you can continue following health guidelines while keeping up with your essential employee education. For nearly 30 years, Avatar has existed to make the world a safer place. That's more important now than ever. If you're listening and you're interested in our free LMS offer, first, make sure you subscribe to our podcast, and second, feel free to reach out to me personally. My email address is cwelch at avatarms.com. That's C-W-E-L-C-H at A-V-A-T-A-R-M-S dot com. And you can reach me by phone at 330-963-3900. And my extension is 230. Thank you again for listening to Safety Rock. This week's episode of Safety Rocks, hosted by Avatar, has now come to an end. Safety never ends, and Avatar Management Services can help, offering free demos of our products and services based on your needs. Head over now to avatarms.com and contact us. Thanks for listening.